The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, April 11th, and at this hour in March of this year, Raymond Lord III was recognized as Realtor Magazine's winner of 30 Under 30 Web Choice Award for 2017. Ray is here today, and I will talk to him about this significant uh, achievement. Also at this hour this week, the city's real estate brokerage firms released their Manhattan sales reports for the first quarter of 2017, and while the numbers tend to vary based on who's collecting the data, it looks like transactions have picked up after the no- November uh, presidential election. And remember Greta Garbo? Well, after 40 years, her family has just listed her sprawling apartment on the east end uh, of Manhattan, East End Avenue, for $5.995 million. We will talk about that. And plus, the panel is here to talk about hot topics. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. You are listening to Good Morning New York. I am your host, Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program today, the number is one 472 is one 472 Today, uh, by the way, is Passover. And so for all of my friends and listeners who celebrate around the world... Happy Passover, and I will not pronounce the the Hebrew version. Matt is warning me not to. I'm going to screw it up for sure. (laughs) As I said at the top of the show last month, Realtor Magazine announced their winner for 30 Under 30, a choice reward for 2017, and Ray is here today. Raymond Lord III found his niche in the Hamptons real estate market uh, following uh, college graduation. Energized by his first sale of a $3 million home, Ray has since formed a highly successful team whose sales growth Market leadership and trend-setting innovations consistently rank among the highest in Douglas Elliman on the East End. Between his aggressiveness and people skills, like his times on the football field, Ray treats real estate as a contact sport. He has a knack. I want to talk about that. He has a knack (laughs) for details and ability to offer full white glove services to his customers and clients, whether one is searching for a great investment, a dream property, or wishing to sell their property, his competitive mentality will serve them well. As a member of the National Association of the Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals, he advocates for equality and inclusion, yay, beyond life in real estate. He is an active entrepreneur, mentor, activist, and philanthropist. What a resume. Good God. (laughs) And as I said, he just won the coveted 30 under 30 Realtor Magazine Choice Award. Welcome and good morning. Thank you. Good morning. So what does it take to motivate your sphere of influence for a prolonged get-out-the-vote uh, get campaign? Well, when Ray learned he was one of the 50 finalists for this year's 30 Under 30 class, he went into problem-solving mode. A team leader, leader with Douglas Elliman Real Estate in East Hampton, New York, he knew that he could win the Web Choice Award. He'd be guaranteed a spot in the coveted Realtor Magazine's program that highlights rising stars in the industry. But how could he convince the people in his sphere of influence to come back and vote for him every day, day after day, for an entire week without sounding like a broken record? I voted every day. 
So how did you pull off this very impressive win? And, and give us a little background and a little color. You got the top spot with 3,144 votes. Amazing. Yeah, this one was a little challenging. Um, it was daily. It was every 24 hours. So initially, I thought it was just daily. So it would run from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. And people would just, it was Monday, it would reset and do it on Tuesday. Quickly learned that wasn't the case. So if you hit the button to vote at 8 a.m., the next day, you wouldn't be allowed to vote until 8 a.m. the next day, 24 hours. So, I didn't pick up on that, but I did once a day go in there and do it. Yeah, The timing was rough with that because if I sent an email out at 8 a.m. to ask people to vote, I had to pay attention to what day I sent it or what time I sent it the day before and send it either an hour or two hours later because you never knew when people actually hit the button when you sent the email. Right. So it made it a little difficult. So I had to figure out that timing a little bit. But at the same time, we just segmented it. So I made four videos, targeted them specific people. So my alma mater, Douglas Elman itself, because we have 6,000 agents, um, just a generic video and actually the LGBT community. So it was persistence, timing, and the last one would definitely be a little satire. You had to laugh at yourself. So the video that we made for the LGBT community, was, it was funnier than it was serious. It was still serious, but it was, it was funny. Like at the end of it, I'm in a hot tub with this like... <laughs> LGBT headband on. I saw it. It was great. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to make it like, hey, I'm bothering you every day. Here's kind of a gift. Like, it's funny at this point. <laughs> so that's what made it a little difficult. But I have one question. Go ahead. How much business did you do in this time? I'm sure you locked and loaded on top of it. <laughs> yeah, I was still working. When we did all those videos, it was a four-hour shoot. And we just, you know, outfit changed, new video. Outfit changed, new video. At the end of the last one. There was actually a whole separate video for the LGBT one. And then I was standing in my kitchen and it was just like one of those days where it's like 7 p.m. And I was like, I'm tired. And I looked at my videographer and I was like, oh, my God, what if we shoot this in the hot tub? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And there was snow to relax on the ground. And shoot at the same time. There you go. It was awesome. There was <laughs> snow on the ground. And we're out there, you know, shooting in the hot tub. <clears throat> so funny. So how did, how did you hear about this campaign and the ultimate challenge? I mean, you know, these things come and go in our lives, but how did you really hear about this? And, and how did you say to yourself, what did you say to yourself, uh, this will get me if I, if I enter and, and if I do win? Someone had recommended I do it two years ago, actually. And it was one of those things where I was just focused on my business. And I was like, I, no, I don't think, you know, I'd be selected for whatever reason. And then they reminded me again. And I said, you know, it's, it's a good time. Like, I can just do it now. So I, there was 300 applicants in total. And I decided to, I was like, why not? I'll just do it and see how it goes. Now, 300 applicants all around the, uh, the country, the nation, or was it just local to the New York metropolitan area or the New York state area? So according to their website, Realtors website, it was all around the nation. So 300 people wow. applied, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's a big honor. So um, 300 people applied and you got down, did they, did they narrow it down to like the top 15, the top 10, the top five? They narrowed it down I mean, to the top How long did you 50. have to sweat until you realized you were going to win or not win? It was probably a month and a half or so. So I made an applicant video, which I didn't make public at first because I didn't want to make it public and then not be a finalist. So <laughs> I figured oh, we'll keep this private. Strategic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as they announced the top 50, then I made it public. Because then it was started like a whole campaign to be the top 30. So um, it was about a month and a half by the time you found out. I hope the listeners uh, uh, understand what, what the criteria is for you to actually submit yourself or to apply for this. Not every agent can do this. You, there's certain criteria, correct, that you have to be a certain level of success or, or something to get you to that submission point. 
correct? A little bit. So obviously the first criteria is you have to be under 30. Um, <laughs> that helps the under 30 really? part. That helps. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can use makeup, honey. We can use makeup. That's okay. And then they give you a form. So it's it's kind of like applying for college at this point. I, I looked at it and it just kept going. You keep scrolling down and down and down. You have to fill out um, GCI, which for listeners is gross commission income. And um all of these right. statistics that you have going on. And then I run a team, so that was a little bit different in the aspect. You have to put your role as the team. So there's just, there's a lot involved that they give you, but on their website, they make it pretty easy. So that's just how to apply and you go through. With all, with all this said and done, and congratulations, obviously, you, you made it to the top, uh, number one. What, what did you get out of the experience? Did you get out of this what you thought you would? Your expectations were sort of in line with, with being the winner or, or, or not? What do you... Th- Think this is going to do for you going forward. I mean, it's a great honor, and it's national uh, honor, as you said before. I think going in, I had no expectations of. I just went the best along, way to do it. Yeah, I just went along for the ride. I was like, if if this works out, great. It was fun in the meantime, like shooting video for this and really segmenting everything. It gave me a different aspect of. Actually, gave me a different aspect of the campaign trail for anyone. Campaigning is difficult, and getting people to do something every day is. Going to really run for mayor soon. We'll talk about that. Because um, I thought about it, that. It's actually. similar. You have to, you know, generate a base, and you've got to get them excited, and you've got to incent them, and and move forward. Right. That's that's what going to get people to vote for you. I think in that sense, like campaigning is easier for a, a politician because you only have to get them to do it one day. You can mm-hmm. really bother them to do that one day. Getting something to do it every day is a little more difficult, mm-hmm. but. It, you asked me what I learned. It was definitely one of those things where and I think this this falls with every real estate agent, but I just learned that I have to reorganize contacts and really touch base with people that I should have touched base with. Um, and not that I've been like silent, but I just don't touch base with them enough. It, it, that's one of our conundrums. I think all of us, you know, suffer that in in this business because you know we are. We are successful when we talk about, when we receive, rather, you know, uh, referrals. And so we've got to constantly be on our base. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But as a real estate pro who didn't grow up in the Hamptons, where you now work, and with zero family ties in this industry, how did you build such an impressive book of business? Because, Ray, you know, you have done in a short period of time extremely well and are very successful in a place in New York State, the Hamptons, that is not always easy to break into. It was difficult. And And you did it. Yeah, it was it was difficult. I will say, um, it's definitely one of those things. Is it doesn't happen overnight. I know people love to watch Million Dollar Listing or all these real estate shows oh, and crazy. assume that you know you're just going to have wild success overnight. And it's it's really <clears> not. Even people that are successful. I mean, my first house was three million dollars, and I didn't really start being, I guess, what people would call successful for two three years. It's it takes a while. So or, or longer in some cases. Yeah. So I. I went into it the same way, actually. No expectations. I didn't even realize real estate was a career, to be honest. Um, I did it. I sold the $3 million house, and I was like, I think I can do this. And then I just kept making phone calls. I would call people. I would, I would introduce myself. So our CEO, Dottie Herman, I, when I first met her, I walked up to her and I said, Hi, my name is Ray Lord. You should know me. <laughs> because I just knew her personality, and I just you, you assessed the situation, and I knew she would appreciate that. And... You know, we've been friends ever since. So. And she's originally from the East End. I mean, she used to run Prudential out there for you. I knew her many, many years ago yeah. when she was actually based in the Hamptons and used to do all that stuff. So, and, and learning your personality here a little bit this morning, I can so see you doing that. And, you know, that does go a long way. Yeah. Uh, people have done that to me. I have done that before. Not often, but, but once in a blue moon, it's kind of like, 
oh, I don't want to say that. But you know what? When you say it, it kind of registers and people think about that and they say, all right, maybe he's somebody to pay attention to. On that line, how do you work your referral base? Is it basically call phone calls to people? Is it basically you know emails and e-blasts and, and all that kind of stuff? Or do you like some people just sit back and wait for those referrals to pick up the phone and call you? So I don't like the phone, uh, particularly because we say with my business partner, we always say everyone's the same on the other end of the phone. You can't tell inflections. You, you, you can't interact with the person properly. So I try to, I go to almost every Douglas Elman office, definitely across Long Island. I go to the ones in California. So I, I work a lot of that. I get a lot of agent to agent referrals. Um, I'll visit offices and just give them ideas on marketing, what's worked for me and what could possibly work for them. I try to do everything face to face as much as possible and just. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not it's not easy, and as you said, it takes a while to build it up, but um, face-to-face, broker-to-broker, referrals from that perspective. But what about repeat business? Do you get a lot of repeat business from uh, former clients, and do they refer their friends and family and, and relatives to you? I find here in New York City that that's probably, I'd say, 90% of our business. There's always 10 to 15% of new stuff that comes in, mm-hmm. you know, just because you did something. But, you know, probably close to 90% is is people saying, hey, I worked with Vince before. Well, you give him a shot. You know, he's great. He's going to do this. He's going to do that for you. Does it work out out east the same way? It definitely much? works the same way. Uh, we have a lot of clients that will send their friends and their family, whoever it may be, but they'll, they'll say, hey, listen, Ray knows the area or sold me this house and they refer them out to me. So I get emails all the time like that. But I, d- I do definitely do more agent to agent referrals, actually. And that's, that seems to be working. It works fantastic for me. Yeah, I know. that, that That's quite a, it's quite an amazing thing. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to ask Ray about the status of the Hamptons market. We are, uh, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. In Manhattan real estate, no deal is ever the same. Different clients have different needs. What always comes back to me, though, the number one compliment that I receive is honesty. And really, this is what matters the most to me. They feel that I'm their number one advocate. Without honesty, I don't see how you can be successful in this business. I'm Heather McDonough with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking to Raymond Lord III from Douglas Elliman out in East Hampton, New York, which is on the east end of Long Island here in the state of New York. For those who are not familiar, we also have the panel here, Matthew Cohen from CORE Real Estate, Harul Brombat from Compass, 
Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com and Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead. So I wanted to ask Ray before we get on to other topics, the status of the Hamptons market today. Uh, is the luxury beating out everything else or are kind of both equal? Because here in the city, you know, in New York City, luxury has kind of taken a powder, a little bit of a flat line, uh, although there seems to be some some increases there uh, that we're seeing lately. But what what's happening out east? So the first question for you then is what would you define as luxury at price point? Well, I guess in the Hamptons, uh, let's say $5 million up. Okay. So it's slowed down quite a bit. Um, I received quite a few emails daily about reductions in prices. Yeah. And that's our first indicator of, you know, it's really slowing down. And below $5 million, I even have a house at $5 million that it's new construction. It's, it's a lot of interest on it right now. But it's also waterfront. So, well, wait, what would you consider high-end in the Hamptons? Because I think here it's probably a little higher. We would probably say a little over six for, like, high-end stuff. Um, first thing that comes to mind is anything like south of the highway, of course, in the Hamptons. Oh, yeah. Um, Sagaponic being one of the biggest ones because people know that zip code. And that's been reductions, reductions, reductions. So it's been slowing down. But anything below that point, it's been pretty busy. We're seeing a lot of reductions here too. We get a monthly, uh, a daily report in our company uh, and er- er- every day I see reductions. Um, and I think that's you know continuing to level off this, this uh, marketplace. But how are the sellers... Uh, taking that kind of you know request to reduce out east. Well, I know here they're still challenging us a little bit. You know they give in once in a blue moon, but are they fighting out there? Or are they wanting to stick to their guns, or are they really kind of agreeing to a price reduction uh, to make the right price so it would sell? It really depends on everyone's motivations. Mm-hmm. What we find is you know it's a second home market more so than not. So right. it's a little different mindset. Um, some people take the mindset of well, if it doesn't sell, I'll rent it. It's fine. Um, some people that need to to leave or they want to relocate or move money around, they're more willing to change it mm-hmm. and just say, reduce the price. Let's get people in the door and sell it. But it, it's a mindset. Let's, let's talk about the rental market then. So what is what is going on there? I mean, the, 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 that, that's always been a market outies where you have you know sales and then you have a very big rental market for seasonal, you know, Memorial Day through Labor Day and sometimes even longer. <clears throat> because I think the the... the the atmosphere out there is much better after Labor Day. I love Labor Day to Christmas. That's my favorite time in the Hamptons. Perfect. But anyway, what is the rental market like these days? The rental market depends on the area. So the hamlets you're in. If you're in Montauk, it's going to be pretty busy because people Montauk is like a buzzword. People want to be out there and surfing, etc. If you're walking distance to certain places, like villages, whether you're in the village of uh, East Hampton, Sag Harbor, Southampton, they always tend to be like foolproof in, in renting things. If you're farther out, it makes it more difficult to rent. But it's a harder thing to, for us to gauge right now because of Airbnb and HomeAway. And the rentals generally go directly to homeowners in that sense. So it's, it's hard for us to have a gauge of how they're doing. But right now, I would definitely say rentals are down a bit. Back to sales. Um, what Hamptons town seems to be the most sought after these days? I mean, we've always gone back and forth. East Hampton is always my favorite place, but what's hot these days? What's has the villages, whether it's Southampton Village, really, really hot. Got East it. Hampton Village, really hot. Uh, Montauk, Montauk is definitely one. Yeah. Well, Montauk is definitely I'm a Montauk girl Bye. and a bridge Hampton girl. It's on the rise. It's on the rise. Absolutely. Yeah, Montauk, the floor of the ceiling, or the floor of the, floor of the, the market in Montauk has definitely moved up a lot in the past three years. What has driven that? You can chime in as well. Because Montauk, I remember being sort of like, 
you know, the stepchild of the, of the Hamptons. Williamsburg of if you're somebody who's been, I mean, for myself, I don't live there full year round, but there is a vibe that is not Hampton vibe. It's old school in parts of the area that I find that people are looking for. And, um, Let's locals the, aren't, aren't so happy about sort of the transformation that's yeah. happened. The air is different out there as well. Honestly, you drive in and it is. It absolutely is. Something about it is amazing. It's like, it's like people say here, like, you know, work and like it. Invigoration is in the air in New York. Like, is this a thing in Montauk? It's just, it's so calm. It's uh, awesome. In yeah. Montauk, I feel like I'm on Nantucket or I'm on Martha's yeah. Vineyard. I feel like I'm on an island when I'm there because it's, it's. You're right. The air is different. It changes dramatically, but it's also like lighter and brighter and feels more open because the water literally is around you. Yeah. 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 After six hours of sitting in traffic, it's so far. I don't oh, get it. Like, I'm stop. sorry. I just don't understand. It's you so, it is so nice. But, but you should get it's there. It's so, worth it. I'm sorry. Not all of us can afford a private helicopters, <laughs> Louise. Blade, but, did you say? Blade. <laughs> I mean, little plug like for Blade. the Uber of helicopters. Yeah, it's go. just, it's so far. Blade is a great thing. Not that I'm doing a commercial for Blade, but they are a great thing. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's move on. Ray is going to stay with us uh, for the rest of the show. So let me ask all of you, how do you market properties without door space? Well, I'm actually, oh, sorry. No, no, please. I'm actually putting a a new listing on the market in in Tribeca um, with a huge terrace next week. And the last two months have been staging it, which I had never staged a terrace before in my life. I've only staged the interior of an apartment. I saw so your Facebook pictures with you in dirt and pots and whatever else. I love it. I'm Interesting. like literally getting my hands dirty. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. So it was... Um, <laughs> I'm not even going there. <laughs> it was, not going to happen. I, I am not going there. Definitely not Montauk. Okay. So, no, it's it's so exciting. I think that the whole, the whole sphere of outdoor space has changed so much in an exciting way. Yeah. And I mean, like this woman, Jennifer Dorman, who, you know, I will totally plug her because she's amazing. She staged the terrace and and what went into it was so mind blowing, in my opinion, especially when you're dealing with the weather of New York and potentially, you know, how much sunlight is it going to get because of, you know, buildings that are hiding it in certain hours. And most of it is actually not real shrubbery. So I just thought it was very, I thought the whole thing was very interesting. Matt, are you going to make the first picture? The outdoor shot. That's a big, <laughs> it's a big critical uh, decision. Listen, I just listened to the about this. recently, and I made the outdoor space the first shot. That's, I usually yeah, do so that. I'm going to say no. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I will say, I so I've had the fortune of selling a lot of places with outdoor space. I usually do, usually, not always, make the outdoor uh, picture first. Again, it has to be furnished. Agreed. I usually have a little table with two chairs and a bottle of wine, <laughs> so you could re- people could really envision how they could well, use that, that outdoor grab space. My attention for sure. You know, no and I. I found that to be very effective. It is perfect, but I mean, you would hope, you know, I think a lot of issues in the city are apartments that have the bigger terraces. Usually that's the best part of the apartment. And, and, also, if they, and also if they're in a penthouse level or a higher level in the building right. where you have beautiful um, backdrop of city view, because if you're on a first floor, yeah, like I remember that. I thought they're going to you know, show a first floor. I mean, it's beautiful, but you're not going to do that. I just recently, um, beginning of the year, did a penthouse and that that was our first um, first photo. And I have to tell you something, you know, people looking for penthouses look for that kind of stuff anyway, but we got more compliments and more people coming to see because of that shot. And that shot was beautiful and it showed exactly what the real outdoor space looked like. Well, Well, I think the good example, sorry. No, No, go go, go go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say that once individuals, I mean, when you are 
in an urban environment where you're living on top of each other and you don't have the luxury of a second home Mm -hmm. in Montauk Mm -hmm. or Bridgehampton (laughs) or upstate New York. But, you know, that piece of earth is like an extension of your home. And once you've tasted the good life, you know, the balcony is one thing. But when you've experienced a place where you have extended your home for eight months out of the year, you know, it's worth the value for many. Ray and I were talking about this before the show show started, and we say sometimes brokers can exaggerate what outdoor space is. A balcony is really not outdoor space, or a Juliet balcony, as we were talking about. It's really not. I mean, sure, you can open the door, and you can kind of step out. For cigar smoking. Absolutely. There's, there's, you know, use for something, but that's really not outdoor (laughs) space. Let me ask you something, Ray. In the the Hamptons or in the suburbs outside of the city urban centers, so… Outdoor space, obviously you get lots of land, but but the, the initial outdoor space patios and all, do you look to stage that as well as an inside of the house when necessary? When necessary, for sure. And plus, things have amenities of like spas or side pools. If it has things that are particular to the house that are interesting, then definitely do it, like outdoor kitchens, etc. We want to have a stage and set up appropriately, but otherwise, people know they're getting a bit of land. Another question. Also, you, go ahead. Uh, well, what I was going to say is congratulations on timing it so well, because uh, yeah. I, the biggest thing I think about selling outdoor space and selling it well is t- timing the market, right? I was just going to ask Because, you, about that. you know, if somebody who has outdoor space wants to list their apartment in October or November or even like March is too early. Sometimes the people who are really outdoor space lovers aren't jumping on it. I would say March is okay. But if you do it right on the onset or during cold months, you're not going to capture the people who are just really dying to have that extension and maybe even, you know, be able to set up the outdoor space that they want it to um, during the summer months once they first purchase. But my experience with those those sellers is that they have fully documented their experiences, their sunsets, their their parties, their events. And by documented, you mean, I mean in pictures, that they, photos. That whether it's them living there and yeah. experience it or them pridefully yeah. documenting and having a photographer come in. Um, you know, I'm in conversations with an old friend for a very big apartment on Park Avenue that has a wraparound terrace. And we're struggling. Like, really the right time to bring a 20-something million dollar penthouse on Park Avenue on the market in the end of May. Many would say, no. Mm, yeah. That being said, it's it's a trophy. Yeah. And so I would, based on the reputation of the building and her ability to manicure it and what it looks like in March and what it'll look like on May 15th, it'll be a transformation. It's well, hard, though. It's a small window. As mm-hmm. Pearl said, it's, it's a like small you window. Have that, I think you have April and May yeah. in a lot of ways because then you have everyone who's out in Hamptons so you know but and nobody's it's hard. looking at these apartments on the weekend anyway right but it, well that's true but I wanted to ask all of you because you know sometimes in the winter months okay so say you know November through March a seller will say to you and I've had this happen to me as well I need to I, we just need to list it I understand the outdoor space is not going to look great because it's cold it's snowy it's whatever but I got to list it how do we get around that because well, that's, that's important. That's when you use the <clears throat> stager, right. for example, right. because they have the ability to create 
a Ambience. experience yeah that is that is not actually real but it is realer <laughs> in person and, also, and it changes a lot utilizing all of the documentation that the client yeah. has done over time and working that into sort of whatever pieces you put because together that furniture gets put away exactly. etc so we have that's what i have yeah. done i've done a little book that individuals can take with them when i say book i mean it's literally uh not extensive, but but their personal photos. But then, yeah, and Vince, and I think you make. A, I think I want to just harp on how good of a point you make in the sense of the backdrop, because I, I I will say that even though I'm not starting this listing with, as Phil said, with the terrace shot, um, a broker that I really admire is Chris Poor, for example, who took over Stella Tower, and he. He like he was so smart when he was advertising those penthouses because people were having issues with the fact that it was in Midtown, but the product is so great. Obviously, Ralph Walker and he changed it up and he took the terrace shots and put the Midtown backdrop and showed how you could have kind of the best of both worlds. So I think it's really strategic and smart. I agree with you. On the weekend Sunday, I went and priced something something excuse me on East Fifty Seventh Street. It's not a penthouse, but it's a beautiful thirty fifth floor uh, apartment, two bed, two bath. With not a very big outdoor space, and I'd say it's a little bigger than a balcony, but it's not huge. And I was kind of debating in my mind, should we shoot this, should we not? And the um, looking out the window, and then we get out onto the terrace, and absolutely we'll shoot it because of what you just said. The backdrop of the city, the east side, was so magnificent. It's one of the be- most beautiful views I've ever seen. We have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. And so we're here with the panel, Matthew Cohen, Cohen uh, Core Real Estate. Per- <laughs> Cohen Real Estate. Isn't that <laughs> Soon. Soon. <laughs> Soon. Yeah. Pearl Braun, Pat from Compass, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, Louise Phillips-Forbes. 
Halstead Property, and Ray Lord III from Douglas Elliman out east in East Hampton. So question, this week, the city's real estate brokerage firms released their Manhattan sales reports for the first quarter of 2017. And while the numbers tend to vary based on who's collecting the data, it looks like transactions have picked up after the November presidential election. That's not because of who's at the White House, per se, but because people tend to hold off on buying any anything during the presidential campaign. We saw the same thing happen in 2012. It's something of an election phenomenon where people pull back uh, before the election, and then there's a release of pent-up demand afterwards. Are you guys seeing the same things in your local markets here in New York and also in the, in the Hamptons? What I would actually add to that, though, to be fair and not – you know what? I'm going to pull back from a lot of things mm-hmm. I could say just to simply say this. I do think that given this president's background and also the bullishness of understanding that he's probably going to be good for American commerce in general, especially real estate, I think has an added confidence from the consumer that we're seeing this year um, and in this cycle than I would say just in any election. So I think that it's a little bit more than just simply the pent-up demand that happens for you know due to the two, three weeks or a month before the election. But are we There's really also, seeing pent-up demand, though, since the election? I think just, so. Yeah. I oh, think absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. And, but also, it's not just the election. Like, we're finding month to month that we're, the world is dealing with different things. It's not mm-hmm. just about Donald it's Trump anymore. It's not just about that yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, now I we're mean, dealing with major Chinese government restrictions. So that's affecting our market incredibly. So, I mean, you know, you can't just talk about Donald Trump anymore, I guess. But but who knows? Maybe when Mark Cuban's president, you know, when that was like the whole premise of my liberal Passover last night. So who knows these days? But if you look at Wall Street, let's look at Wall Street bonuses. Mm -hmm. 23 and change billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's up since that's the highest it's been since 2000. And where is that all going? Where is that $23 million, billion dollars? In, in well, I think that. Hopefully that, it goes to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think the trend a lot of, of, it does. Yeah. of what's happened since the laws changed since the Great Recession in 2008, Wall Streeters are not making decisions in the same you know, speed that they had done historically. But if you look at also not just what's happening in the stock market, my experience with my clients is that they, the people that I worked with for the last six months of 2016 waited for this pop in the market to pull their money. They mm-hmm. are liquid mm-hmm. and now waiting. Mm-hmm. And they will buy at a reset number. So and it's very strategic. And, and the last thing I'll say about the market in general, our market in New York, our employment numbers are Awesome and optimistically when you, awesome. you said it perfectly well. I mean, it's it's so perfect. You know, the 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 more the stock market has increased so much. There's so much profit in their portfolio. Twenty one percent in and in then they're buying in a reset market price uh, scenario. I mean, it's the best of all. With worlds. the race against time, you know, fifty two basis points on interest rates. Which, by the way, if you're buying yeah. a twenty million dollar penthouse, you're not so focused on the interest rate. Yeah. But it trickles up, and the. You know, I am now experiencing 32 people at an open house with nine bids multiple times. Yeah. At what and price point? That is in the niche market from like, I would say a million six to up to three million. Yep. Wonderful. And that's what I, and I was going to point to that market. What I was going to say is, you know, those people, you know, $20 million penthouse buyer is certainly not the person who's who cares about the interest rates, but all these other people on Wall Street who have not gotten the bonuses that they were expecting for a few years now and now have gotten the bonuses that were also 
the buyer today is so educated and and so meticulous and so well planned then I feel like the, the clientele I was dealing with even seven eight ten years ago in part it's about how much real estate knowledge that is available to them to look up online and get educated with themselves I think that the transparency has changed quite a bit mm-hmm. but I think that um, that the, the great recession has also created a much more of an astuteness in, in, in expenditure. So I think the way people spend their money has changed since 2000. Well, all, the last, yeah. all the last few shows, we've also spoken about how complicated the market's become. It's not just one thing or two things. It's very complicated. And just to play the voice advocate with you, Louise, Go I will girl. say you, you can't ignore the fact that at the investment banks where people are get, did get those big bonuses at year's end last year and in the new year, the the issue, yeah, in, in the next few months, the issue is, is that there have also been major layoffs in the last month or two. If you speak to a lot of investment banks, mm-hmm. because of trade policies shifting, mm-hmm. a lot of layoffs are going on at Goldman and Barclays. I, I, and, people, and have their people have so their eye on the trade law to, changes. Yeah, that's going to be significant. You do have to also, you know, think about that. It's it's not all very good. I do know a lot of people world. that, to, to Matt's point, that uh, lost their job at the higher pay points and are having a hard time getting another job. So, I, I mean, I know the employment rate's low, but, but there are still... I, but you in know. the in the Wall Street sector, in the securities industry, it is the highest growth of employment since 2008, this year, this past year in 2016. So I'm not saying people haven't lost their jobs. I'm saying from a trend aspect. Secondly, I will also just say that um, that that the the cost of money and that the surge that we're experiencing we have to remember that in 42 states it is cheaper to own than it is to rent so that portland oregon $350,000 market the new york city brooklyn half a million even bronx market that half a million dollar buy that $400 a month carry uh, a year carry it being more from it was last year, the interest rates was at three point seven one, makes a difference in this in the renting and buying market mm-hmm. for the first time buyer. I agree with you about two thousand sixteen, but we need to talk about current. And current is that we're talking post election, and even though election was obviously in the fall of last year, current is the last two months. The finance world is hitting in terms of a lot of layoffs. And so that is creating well, and then a that, little and, of an and issue. that's going to be well, watched and 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 uh, measured as the and trade, it happened the at the same time as the changed. Chinese government restricted. Well, so it's so the, interesting here's, here's, the timing. Here's another. So I think there's a macro aspect that Matt is sort of kind of like sort of touching upon, and I think that the macro aspect is how is our world changing and how are industries changing and what are the larger changes. And I feel that at this point, a conversation about how exponentially technology is playing a role in the shift in jobs. So yes, there's a lot of jobs that are getting created and there's also a lot of jobs that are getting, there's a lot of jobs that are getting replaced. So the tale of the, the two stories that we're hearing at this table of like, where there's this uptick in how much people are making. Oh, but there's also layoffs is clearly kind of, Speaking the efficiency to this. of the market. Absolutely. Yeah. So it actually is a really exponentially growing market and shifting market, but the money is there. All right, let's move on and talk about neighborhoods in New York City. Every year, Property Shark looks at the median median sale price across all neighborhoods. And this year, Tribeca, what a surprise, managed to hold on to the top title with 436 transactions that had a median sale price of about $4.15 million. 
spent seeing a 19% year-over-year rise in prices. Of the top 10 neighborhoods, eight was unsurprisingly in Manhattan, and here's what the list looks like. Number one, Tribeca. Number two, Soho. Number three, Little Italy. Four, Hudson Square. Uh, five, Dumbo. Six, Flatiron District. Seven, Greenwich Village. Eight, the Garment District. Interesting, and that's probably because of... Uh, Hudson Yards. Hudson Yards, thank you. Nine, Theater District. Times Square, whatever. Mm-hmm. And 10, Forest Hills in Queens. So let's break this down just a little bit, again, from all of our perspectives and all of our uh, jobs and, and I'm sorry, our, our businesses all around the city. Tribeca and Soho don't surprise me as the number one and number two spot. Little Italy, what's going on there? Do we think that that's maybe because whenever we talk about sub-neighborhoods, so is are they including Nolita in that, I'm assuming? Because I consider Nolita very different than Little Italy. Well, I was just going to say what Little Italy question right. mark in the sense of like, and I'm, I'm, I'm being you know, a, a little cheeky about it. But what I mean by that is that... I like when you're cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> um, she well, has cute cheeks. <laughs> she is cute. She's the cutest. Oh, Sorry. You guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I meant it in a British way. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, yeah, but... <laughs> um, the, oh, wow. Now I'm so embarrassed. I don't even know what She's to say anymore. I'm blushing. <laughs> little Italy. Um, so Little Italy is just not necessarily a, a, a really... It's just not that big of a location. I mean, now and, it's just and the concentration the, of it. Exactly. Maybe if you're looking at right. it in relationship to the size, but the housing the, stock is. Yeah. But I bet well, you. No, but here's the thing, though. Yeah. I think that that area has always been so attractive, and I think that that any time okay, now that Little Italy's shrinking, any chance that people have to move and to buy something in that location. So if, but, is definitely happening. But I think and if you look at yeah. the Tribeca's transactions, were 436. So how mm-hmm. many are they actually in Little Italy? Right, right. I mean, exactly. what is the relationship right. between number right. two and number three well, on I, number of I transactions? Wanted, I wanted to ask you guys that. So do you think Little Italy pops up there as number three because it might be overflow from Tribeca and from Soho Absolutely. where those prices are so high that they can't necessarily afford that? So Nolita becomes part of it. Little What's Italy becomes part of it. What's surprising to me is what you pointed to, which is... I don't, what Vince pointed to, which is how many apartments are there to purchase in that area that right. the numbers are striking? But, but I also think they're combining Nolita because I think they're, so. I think, and, no and that's and no because home. if you yeah, think about like Little Italy, you think of, you know, um, Mulberry. Yeah, but Mulberry like South Street. Mulberry. So if you think of Northern Mulberry, where like 224 Mulberry is, which was the, you know, highest grossing development, I think, of all time in that location, um, along with 199 Mott. I mean, those, yeah. that's Nolita yeah. in my opinion. But that's not little Italy, but, it's really, but they're including it. But it's also important, I think, to think about the mix of the properties in these neighborhoods. So, for example, Tribeca will always come to the top, I think, because it's there's not a lot of studios in Tribeca. I mean, so the there's larger apartments there. So this you have to be a little careful with the data. This is just mm-hmm. saying the the medium price. Medium. Yeah. So in Little Italy, it's probably a smaller sample sample size. Like we said, there probably is also more larger apartments there. Maybe not as many studios. So, like even the other one there, which is the Garment District. I'm guessing there aren't a lot of studios in the garment district, you know. No. So, so I think that that makes uh, it kind of affects the numbers too. The garment district we're going to attribute to Hudson Yards. I mean, mm-hmm. Hudson Yards is a boom that's going on for the past couple of years. It's going to continue for another couple of years. It's going to completely change that whole western corridor in the 30s and into the lower 40s. But the one that really got me the most, uh, Forest Hills in Queens, you know, that's a great place, uh, comes in at number 10. Uh, great housing stock, robust prices all of a sudden if you want to live in that that area. But the theater district and Times Square, average a uh, median price rather, 1.545. Times Square in, in, in the theater district. I say, really? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there are a lot of new developments in that area. And also, wow. but I also wonder, sorry, I know you I'm mentioned sorry, Times Square. What do you mean, really? What do you mean? Uh, are you, <laughs> I mean, that clarify price, that. that price point in, in a, a part of town that's traditionally not residential. I mean, not a lot of residential. Yes, there's been a lot of new development, but it's very commercial. And it's very, you know, I, I say. Yeah, but wait, district, hold but, on, hold on. Think about, are they including 57th Street? In the Times Square no. Midtown, no. because no. oh, okay, so no. then that changes. No, that things. would change those numbers things. would be those would be insane. But they are including also, 9th and 10th Avenue, probably right? Because they are including 9th and 10th and Avenue of, from some... 40 from 44th Street down to probably 38, 39th Street, the yeah. Times Square ish, right? You know, 7th so Avenue, 8th Avenue. If you start trickling into Hell's Kitchen, right? That's right. yeah, because yeah, there's like different. like yeah. Stella Tower and Hell's Hell's Kitchen will do it. All right, we have to take a break. Unfortunately, we will be right back. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. In New York real estate, trust, knowledge, and professionalism are all traits of a great broker. But going beyond the call of duty is really how I win clients. I had clients selling their condo, and it was a huge project. It needed to be emptied, renovated, and redesigned. I oversaw the contractor work, hired the stagers. I managed every detail, and I still sold it in three weeks. Going beyond the call of duty is what I offer and what makes a great broker. I'm Jerry Kendrick with CORE, and this is what I do. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Peru Brombat from Compass, Raymond Lord III from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, and Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Property. Why, that's a mouthful. Anyway, moving on, if you're lo- looking for a real break from city life, you may want to consider not just a scenery change, but a whole new career, say zookeeper, for example. And you can start by buying an entire zoo. Yes, $7 million is a lot of money, even in New York City. And while it'll get you coveted spots like a three-bedroom condo in the West Village or a very large house in the Hamptons, it could also make you the new owner of a wildlife zoo outside of Alvin, Texas. So... When you have all this money in the bank and you want to spend $7 million and you have all these choices, how do people, if they choose Manhattan, how do people justify spending this kind of money, $7 million, in New York City for an apartment? It's a lifestyle choice. 
It's because you don't want to live in a zoo in Alvin, Texas. Well, now I know what I'm doing when I go to Texas. This well, weekend. I'm trying I'm to figure out where Alvin is. <laughs> you better not. I mean, who knows? You could buy this a point. path of Austin for <laughs> but, seven million dollars, probably. Yeah. But, but all joking aside, though, I mean, it's I say that all the time. I'm like, my parents' house, which we're looking to put on the market in Pennsylvania, is going to barely be like a down payment for me for an apartment that had actually won in New York City. I mean, that's crazy talk, you know? Like, for the amount of money we spend here on everything from orange juice to, to an apartment, I mean, it's just, you know, but, okay, right. it's that, a that, lifestyle that's, choice. To- that's why I bring it up because Louise is right. It's yep. a lifestyle choice Absolutely. because my own family and, and friends say to me who don't live in the city, you know, for God's sakes, why would anybody spend – we're using $7 million today as an example. Why would anybody spend $7 million to live in a stack on top of a stack on top of a stack? Yeah, it might be a great apartment, but you know what? Come spend a week here and you'll find out yourself. And, and there's a, there's a, there, the opportunity, listen, I moved to New York City with 800 bucks in my back pocket. I love your story. Go on, tell it. And mm-hmm. I moved here to be a dancer. I used to say 10 pounds ago. Mm-hmm. I don't say that anymore. <laughs> and, 10 pounds ago. That's <laughs> awful. And, you are in incredible shape. Yes, and, hey, don't right? listen to her. And anyway, I, you know, I, my first year in real estate, um, to our Raymond, our number one under 30 guy, I made $8,400. And today I enjoy 150 to $200 million business a year. So the land of opportunity is here, no matter what your field is, whether you're an actor, whether you're an entrepreneur, my husband, I'm married mm-hmm. to a serial entrepreneur. The opportunities are endless, and it's a melting pot of energy that I have never experienced. And I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, which is an extraordinary place to live today Lovely. and Love was it. then. Love it. But it's just a it's a one of a kind. It's why it's a global platform. I agree mm-hmm. with you. It's it's what I was saying earlier. Like success is in the air here. It's you come and you can feel it. You can feel it in the ground. You see the you feel the opportunity. Yeah, yeah for and, sure. And, and Anything the, you want. The amount of wealth building opportunity for your real estate alone. I mean, I have sold one of my clients, I have sold her nine apartments. She has made over $7 million profit Absolutely. from, and which, by the way, was not her intent. She loves to move. She came from Atlanta. She worked for Fox News Corp. She left Fox News Corp, started her own business, and now she lives in Savannah, Georgia. And that's the other thing. It's, it's, I always, what I love talking about about New York City to people who are not as familiar with it is I feel like when we talk about neighborhoods in, in the rest of the world, it's actually talking about different worlds, in my opinion. I, I like saying that, you know, I don't ever feel that big of a need to travel because even though I'm from here, I sometimes go to the Lower East Side and I've never seen something before or I go to the East Village and I've never seen a block before. Like, it is in different worlds. Even when, when we were talking about the Hudson Yards build out, my, my thought in that moment that I did not express is I can't wait to get to know that new neighborhood was exactly what I was and thinking as we were talking about it. That's right. It's going to be yeah. something else. All right, let, let's start. Well, by the way, $7 million you can also take and plant in, in the Hamptons, and you can call Ray Lord about that because out there, houses absolutely are in that range uh, and, and higher. One of New York City's least expensive types of housing is a co-op in a land lease building, land lease building, a property where the apartment dwellers don't own the land beneath the building and must pay ground rent to the landowner, often a real estate investor. Owners hang on to land sometimes for a variety of reasons. In some cases, they want to keep the property in the family, think it will go up in value, or may see tax perks to hanging on to it. As a result, maintenance fees are usually higher, and the portion of monthlies that go toward ground rent isn't tax deductible, but purchase prices are often considered 
considerably lower than any other uh, apartment con- comparable mar- uh, apartment on the market. They're a good fit for someone with a high-paying job but little savings or for an investor who plans to rent out the place since many land lease buildings have relaxed rules on subletting. Does ownership in these buildings make sense overall? You have to be really careful, extremely cautious. And I Lawyers always, hate it. Lawyers hate them. I always tell the story of a friend that bought a studio. It was worth about $300,000. The underlying rent on the land shot up so that the maintenance then shot up on her unit. And the value of her unit went from 300000 to 180000 almost overnight. So, I mean, we don't really think about Manhattan real estate changing that much, but it is possible. You have to make sure you understand these land lease agreements, have a good attorney read them. It doesn't mean it's not the wrong decision for everybody, but you have to be really careful. And I, think and I was... Foremost, sorry, I think first and foremost, you have to know when the land lease is up. Yes, that's, that's the, the most important component. That's the first thing you need to know. Because well, if it's 99 years from now, it might not be such of an issue. It's with five, you might have a problem. But every land lease, if you've read these, I'm consulting with a co-op right now who's trying to buy their land lease. And I've worked with one, a co-op who's, for example, mm-hmm. bought their, they had such a high underlying mortgage that they bought down their mortgage they sliced up the pie and now it's a condominium um in this case by the way the interest on the mortgage for the underlying for the for the land lease payment is actually deductible the interest it is yes so they don't so that being said it should be and 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 most of these land leases, while they're ninety nine years, they have resets that happen every twenty five years. Correct. And understanding if those are not pre negotiated and they come up for negotiations, you are at the mercy yep. of them. So, yeah, uh, I, I just recently talked to somebody about it. Their their land lease um, uh, renews a year from today, so they've got one year. To your point, Ray, you know they've got I one year to go. I can't believe they've let it lapse that long. Well, that's, that's negligent. That's what yeah. I said, I, but, it, but it's a whole big to-do over there. But anyway, so we'll see where that comes. Anyway, we've got a few minutes left. Let's go to the last topic for the day. This is not your average co-op. The three-bedroom, three-bath apartment on East End Avenue overlooking the East River on the east side of Manhattan once belonged to Hollywood legend Greta Garbo. In fact, Garbo lived in the apartment, which now comes with a $5.95 million price tag. She lived there for 40 years. The three-bedroom listed with Halstead property has been maintained and updated by Garbo's family all these years and features a private elevator lobby opening into the expansive formal entrance gallery. If you're a fan of wood paneling and built-in bookshelves, you'll adore this space. My question to all of you. And pink and green. And pink and green. Yeah, the the colors are quite amazing. (laughs) But my question to all of you in the three minutes that we have left is who is going to be the buyer of this apartment? Are there celebrity you know, wannabes no. or who's buying this apartment? The person that's buying this is an individual who is Sutton and Beekman area focused. This building is a ultra conservative board. You oh. have to have liquid assets two times the purchase price and they are- Is going, it an all cash building? It I, is I, not. I don't think not it's all an all cash, cash okay. building. I wasn't sure about but, that. But- um, but my experience in this building, which I have uh, had some sales there, is that it's a pretty uh, um, fastidious board. I mean, you've had uh, Rockefellers live there. It's it's got uh, quite an audience and not a big building. So it's not a big a building. And on a understated old money, in my humble opinion. On a on a lighter note, 
Matthew over here was looking at me going, who's that? Remember, and I, I live under a rock. I'm sorry. And, you don't know who Greta Garbo is. No, no, wait, wait. But, but wait, let me, let, let me, wait, hold on, hold on, one second, week. one second. Okay. But let me tell you something. And it's so only Tuesday. Not just How Matt. old are you? Not just Matt. It was me too. <laughs> I don't know either. So what I, no, know I didn't know either. I had no oh, idea. I looked it up. Ray Lord, so. did you know? <laughs> I did not know. Ray I did look at the apartment, but I didn't know either. And just to make sure everyone knows, Ray is also a millennial. don't take it personally. There's another millennial I'm a step outside of the millennials and I and and I did not know who that was and I looked it up and I was like oh my god she's considered to be one of the top five actresses like she's considered to be like an Audrey Hepburn listen which I had no idea listen I'm 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 in shock I'm I'm a talker (laughs) but quite frankly I'm speechless. I don't know what world I belong in anymore because I don't know this woman. Well, you, but then I also to amaze but wait, anyway. Everybody. Last night at Passover, like my younger cousins were talking about guys and girls who are famous. I'm like, who are these people? And yeah. so I don't know what world I belong I in know. anymore. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Not to bring the so topic quickly. to that. I guess we don't have anything else to talk <laughs> about, guys. But to Louise's point, in New York City, you know, it's like people rarely buy an apartment because it's owned by some other celebrity. Most of us just really don't care. Um, most of our buyers don't care. It's either the right fit for them or not. I mean, unless there's some fluke of a scenario where somebody from out of town or maybe even so a local let me person ask was you- absolutely, like, in, you know, obsessed about some celebrity. We have 30 maybe. seconds left. Let me just ask you. So yeah. then why does the listing agent who I know and love and he's, I just adore him, but why would he list it touting Greta Garbo? Because clearly the millennials in this room don't I, even know who it no, is. No, because it gets publicity it, and it, gets it puts more, the word out there. It gets traffic in the door and we're talking about it right now. So it definitely gets a lot more traffic. Right. Google's on fire with all the buyers out there saying, who's this Greta Garbo? <laughs> Let me look it up and see who she is. Oh my God. Anyway, I'm out of time. That is our show for this week. Thanks to my guest, Ray Lord III and my panel as always. We will be back next week. Be kind to one another, please. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. Goodbye, right. everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.